Hello, welcome to Light from Light. My name is Daniel, and his name is Brother Thomas Therese. It is. Sorry, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you wanted me to come in there or not. Just sort of well, left you hanging. <laughs> welcome to Light from Light. So we're going to talk today about uh, a very important saint who's played a, a huge role, actually, in the, the Christian faith in this country, in England. And his name is Aylred. Did I pronounce that right? Aylred. Aylred <laughs> of Rebo. So I've been trying to say this name uh, all all day, trying to get it right. Uh, he also thought Aylred. that Rebo was in France. Which oh, yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it, <laughs> just thought I'd throw you in there. It, it's not, it, I mean, it's not surprising because, I mean, Rebo, it ends in LX. I mean, that sounds French, doesn't it? And actually, I mean, the yeah. Cistercians were founded in France, um, of do, course. Do you know but, where, the, where did they get the name from do they it's have the some sort of link um, to does, does the place have a link to somewhere in france i mean quite possibly i mean after 1066 of course when the normans came over um yeah i mean perhaps it was maybe founded brought... then or maybe the place where it was located was named after the abbey um but certainly people in high society used french uh, rather than saxon um so yeah and uh, i think aylward actually his background was in high society i think his grandfather i think was chancellor of york right. and his father was a priest um so yes yeah but, but it's, I, it's so in this, yorkshire anyway uh yeah. revo the the, uh, the the abbey is now in ruins thank you henry the eighth um <laughs> but, but you can uh, go and visit it now you can still you see can. the you can well, go and visit the ruins the ruin. of it but it's yeah. quite expensive quite an expensive place mm-hmm. it, well, it would have been anyway but so this this gentleman aylred of River, Rivo, Rivo, Rivo. Yeah, brother Thomas studied French, so he should know the pronunciation much better. Oh but, gosh. So I, I didn't know much about him, and I did think he was a, a Frenchman, mm. or at least that he maybe was born in England and ended up in France. Mm. But he was a gentleman that was born in Hexham in mm. Northumbria, and he's he's a man who had a great love of of the north of England. But we we wanted to speak about him because he he's a man who played a, a big part in passing the Christian faith on through the generations. Uh, in in particular, had a, a major impact on monastic life for for the religious in this country. So yeah, he's not a gentleman that I'd ever heard about, but he he is someone who played a, a who had a, an important part to play in the faith of this country. And I always think his feast is coming up very soon. So yeah, Jan- January, January the twelfth. I always feel really sorry for him that he's not more well known. I mean, you'll never find statues really made of him yeah. or stained glass windows of him. Really, and I think it's such a shame because he wrote. I mean, spiritual classics. the The two things that he wrote, which are most well known, are the Mirror of Charity, which that's not my favorite one. I've got to admit. I mean, it's got some really good stuff in there, obviously. Um, but the one that I really love is on spiritual friendship, which is mm. probably what he's most well known for, I'd say. But he also so did some it, other things, yeah. didn't he? Well, I suppose we'll come back to the the spiritual works of his. But he he was most well known, certainly in the years after his death, maybe for the first century after his death, for his historical works. So he wrote about the history of Christianity in this country and some of the the major figures, mm. uh, major Christian figures who helped pass on the faith in this country. And he was most well known for that for the first maybe 100 years after his death. And mm. then uh, from that point onwards, people started to rediscover almost his, his spiritual work. So Mirror of Charity was something 
that he wrote when he was he was a new abbot of a community so he was the new head of of a, a community of religious and he well i think actually he was a novice master so he was in charge of helping to form uh, new religious brothers so he had great insights into that way of life and then uh, spiritual friendship is something which is a work which uh, was formed a, a little bit later in his life but just to, to go back then to his early life so he was the son of a, a priest so how does how does that work because our experience here in this country and in most of most of the church is that priests are celibate mm-hmm. so how did this priest i mean we're talking the 1100s mm-hmm. the 12th century how did how did a priest have a child well i mean in the early church i mean peter for example was married uh the first pope was married so it's not something about the clerical state that's sort of intrinsic to its nature that it means that you can't be married and that you can't have children right so it's a discipline of the church and this is something that the early church in the first uh 1000 years sort of grappled with and um the church adopted this discipline um but it wasn't really enforceable um and i mean it was sporadic in its enforcement you know popes would have to keep reminding people about the discipline of celibacy um and i think it's really in the wake of the council of trent around the time of the reformation that you get more uh uniform um sort of discipline i think on uh on these things and you have various waves throughout the church various reforms which attempt to reform the morals of the clergy which didn't only focus on chastity or celibacy but that was certainly part of it um and certainly i think in in actually just before aylred was born i think there was a a synod or a council or something in france which basically ruled that the sons of clergy could not be ordained to the priesthood um, and partly that was so that they wouldn't uh in what we would say is inherit the benefice or that they wouldn't in yeah that they wouldn't inherit the parish church right so mm. say at your local parish down the road you have father joe father joe has a son called isaac well Isaac then gets ordained and then becomes the priest of the same parish and then his son becomes priest of the same parish. So it becomes like a family business, right? right. So like nepotism. And to to curb anything like that, um, then there is this, this synod which introduces a discipline that actually the son of any clergy member cannot be ordained to the priesthood to prevent that sort of nepotism whereby one parish with its benefice, with its revenue, just comes in to fund uh fund um fund the family so you whilst you may have this discipline within the church very early on it's not universally uh enforced uh i would say uh yeah so that's basically how how it happens i, think. I suppose through through being a, a, a priest at the time he his father would have been someone who mixed with um people of more stature people of greater stature at the time i mean certainly he aylred was he's very well educated i was gonna say he's very well educated and he he was he was very very clever yeah so early on uh in in his life he ended up going to one of the the best uh, places to um study it wasn't Mm. a durham priory a school there where Mm. he 
he studied to a very high level and he was very gifted. People recognized him as being very gifted. And uh, he then went into the service of the court for the mm. for King David of Scotland at that time. And he flourished as a as a courtier, I guess it would be it, it would be called. And he was very well known for his diplomatic skill. Mm -hmm. So he ended up um, being what's called a master of the household. So he would be the King the, David the First, is that? Yeah. So King David would confide in him about uh, things that were going on in his kingdom, and he'd really be like a, a diplomatic ear. Um, and this would later, this formation would play a very important role mm. as he became abbot. Um, so he went. He was he was part of uh, the church's mission for I mean for dip diplomatic missions. Wasn't he sent to Rome on one occasion? Yeah, I mean the bishops of Northumbria um, sent him as their representative to canonical proceedings in Rome. Uh, I think Henry the Second. I think it was introduced the Bishop of York and the bishops in the northeast of England weren't too happy about the person who Henry favoured for the bishopric. So how it sort of worked then as now is the Pope um, takes advice and information from people on the ground. So now it would be like a papal nuncio, like the Pope's ambassador in a particular area and he asks him to scout around, you know, um, and he will talk to local bishops about their own uh, priests, about who would make a good bishop and things like that, um, who lives a good life, do they pray and things. Well, at the time, uh, they would also, uh, at the time of Aylred, they would talk to the king and they'd talk to other bishops and things. Well, the bishops of Northumbria weren't happy with who was going to be Archbishop of York. Um, and uh, Rome has jurisdiction in these matters. Uh, and so they went to Rome and there was a canonical trial where Aylred it went on for a long time um maybe even but Aylred years. was sent as Aylred was the... sent to represent them to the Pope I think who was Innocent the Second at the time I think right okay so he was very well known for his diplomacy mm -hmm. but obviously that and his learning from... I mean he read Cicero the mm. classics or the Christian classics like Saint Augustine um so yeah he was he was a man he was a man who was very well educated and respected politically as well um, uh, for his work in the courts. Mm. Actually, uh, it just reminded me of something. So he, he probably read some of the Greek philosophers where they talk, talk very much about the dialogue. So Plato's work is very much about dialogues. And some of his well, spiritual works are called the dialogue of the soul. So you have this sort of dialogue, even in uh, his, his work, Spiritual Friendship, mm. you see this dialogue that goes on. Um, in there between uh, two monks and Christ. So there is. I, I think that actually follows the dialogue method. I think actually follows Cicero. Right. I okay. don't. I don't know if he had access to uh, Plato. I don't think That's he would true. have had access to Aristotle. I think Aristotle starts to come in um, around the time of Aquinas, maybe slightly before him. Maybe a century so after. A Aylward. century after Aylward. But Plato, mm. I think, was certainly well. Uh, yeah. Plato would have been part of the curriculum, bef certainly before before Aquinas, absolutely. Um, and that's so one maybe, of the reasons why Aristotle is so controversial, of course. Yeah, maybe that had an influence, I'm not sure. But he, it's quite astonishing that he leaves this very comfortable life mm. in the court. You know, a great promise of a com comfortable life in the future. And he, he leaves that to join a Cistercian 
monastery in Yorkshire. And if anyone knows anything about the Cistercian life, it's quite rigorous. Austere. It's yeah. austere. It's austere. So he, he moves from having great comfort to a life which is uh, very much about prayer, about detachment for material things, about um, spending time in poverty, if you like. And silence. And silence. Great yeah. silence, great liturgy. Um, very, yeah. very different. But he, yeah. he writes beautifully about it. Uh, in his, his work, The Mural Charities, I mean, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't shy away from saying how difficult the life is. Mm. Uh, he displays that very much in that book. But he writes beautifully, everywhere peace, everywhere serenity, and a marvelous freedom from the tumult of the world. So even at that time, it was tumultuous in, in the mm. world. But he found peace and serenity, even through uh, great hardships that he experienced in in the religious life. So, yeah, I mean, as a religious brother, as someone who... I can sympathize. Has a, <laughs> <laughs> but as someone who has a, a sort of a life which has an affinity to this mm. monastic rule. So as a Dominican friar, you have some things which are very similar, that life of... Mm. prayer there are times of silence um no possessions i mean don't own anything personally the order owns things but there, there are similarities there have you have you found that it frees you i mean aylred speaks about that being freed to delve into the relationship that he has with god yeah i mean it can do i think it depends on the individual friar i mean sometimes it, it frees you and liberates you and you uh, sort of give things like i noticed this actually with things like books you know giving i'll get some books i'll read them and um you know i might give them to friends for christmas and things um so yeah i mean it, it can be quite liberating and encourage you to be quite generous although obviously you have to be careful because i mean they don't belong things don't belong to you uh anything yeah. that you have it actually belongs to the order and things so providing the library doesn't want them the brothers don't want them and things and, and you get permission that you can give then you can, then you can give things away um but um yeah also like moving house when you move from the priory to another priory um a lot of things actually you leave behind you know you don't take any furniture with you from your room you might have a really nice comfy chair in your room <laughs> you don't get to take that with you so uh, yeah, but that that can also cause. I mean, it, I think people respond to it in different ways. Mm. Um, it can be a. Um, it can take time to cultivate the virtue of detachment from physical thing things to focus on um, that which matters much more, and it's easier said than done. I think. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's clearly not easy to do. Yeah, I mean, you think now you're probably the average person probably owns more certainly mm. in england probably owns more now than in centuries mm. gone by and there are some things for example that i don't share with other people mm. so my laptop for example whilst yes technically it is the responsibility of the community um it's something that essentially i'm going to use and uh, yeah if somebody else sort of needs it for a powerpoint or something or mm. to show a film on a big screen or something then yeah of, of course they can use they can use uh, the laptop um but as most of the time like 90 percent of the time it's just going to be you that uses this thing or my mm. phone for example um but it does mean that you know if somebody if a brother does need it you should be very free and willing to say oh absolutely you know and not think mm. to, not think twice about it yeah interesting and uh, so he his life aylred's life then as he joins the monastery uh 
initially he's he has a a large a huge impact on his brothers so he ends up um being the abbot of a a daughter house of mm-hmm. of um the abbey there in how do you say revo <laughs> so he ends up being uh, yeah the abbot of a of a daughter house a new house that opens a cistercian house and he ends up uh, leading that community and then he comes back to revo <laughs> and he ends up being abbot there and he's he's much loved i mean he in what's known about his his life is that it, he he has great compassion he's a father figure mm. for the other brothers who are there and they speak with great reverence for him uh, and his role as abbot um he he's, he speaks wonderfully about um about this role in his work, Mirror Charity. So he says, as I was walking around the cloister of the monastery, the brethren were sitting around forming, as it were, a most loving crown. I found no one whom I did not love and no one by whom I felt sure I was not loved. I felt such joy that it surpassed all the delights of the world. So here's a man who earlier in his life had had every material good that he could possibly have at that time. And yet he found uh, delights that surpassed all of that. Uh, yet he didn't own anything him, himself. I mean, mm. it's just it's, it's astonishing what a transformation that he uh, had at the monastery. Yeah, I mean, there must be some sort of conversion that takes place that leads him that leads him into this place. Really, you know, I think he comes to this. Re- well, how do I want to phrase it? I think he sees a lot of emptiness actually in what he considers to be worldly treasures, you know, Mm. Uh, work for treasure in heaven, we read in the gospel, Uh, not treasure that will rust and decay. Uh, You know, you can't take, you know, your gold pieces and your fine clothes with you uh, to heaven, you know. Um, And I think that comes to, he comes to realize what that means. Um, And this leads him on this, Austere path to prefer nothing to God, mm. um, and but he's not. Yeah. It's not. Um, it's not an isolated life. So one of the things I, I know about your your life as a religious brother mm. is that you you have brothers who are your friends. Yeah, you know, you're not as as Christians. We're not meant to live this path on our own. Mm. Not meant to journey to heaven on our own as like isolated mm. figures. Yeah, um, we're meant to live with other people yeah. and with friends, and that's something which. Aylred makes very very clear especially in his in his work on spiritual I, I, friendship yeah I, I think people think you know when in Genesis it says man was not made to dwell alone they automatically think uh, you know Adam and Eve marital relationships romantic relationships uh, sexual relationships and so this becomes the pinnacle and the ideal of love but actually that man was not meant to dwell alone does not necessarily entail that marital romantic sexual relationship actually friendship is also a way of not dwelling alone that is also a life of intimate love mm. with other people well, it's what not does, sexual but it's love well what does christ say about friendship yeah uh well you read in the gospel of john no greater love has a man than this that he should die for his friends mm. um so that self-sacrificial love for one's friends uh is the greatest form of love as espoused by the gospel of john he also says at the Last Supper, I call you no longer servants, I call you friends. Um, you know, And then he says, love one another as I have loved you. Now, of course, in 
the gospel of john jesus is presented as the bridegroom mm. uh, you do find in the book of revelation happier those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb marriage supper of the lamb um yeah the but Testament, the people who are called to a songs. marriage supper are not only are not only the bride and the groom but also all the guests yeah, of the bride and the groom, right yeah, yeah. yeah um so yeah i mean love one another as i have loved you has you know and then he calls them no longer servants but friends it's it's been taken as friendship um really yeah a, an intimate profound friendship which has a sort of new life and you do see this in Elwood's writings especially um on spiritual friendship um and he's he's heavily influenced by cicero so yes cicero has a, a work on friendship i, I don't know much it's just about called it. on friendship and then Aylred writes something and it's also in the form of a dialogue and then you have Aylred writes on spiritual friendship so he yeah. brings christ into this friendship because he talks about different types of friendships yeah so he yeah he speaks about three different types doesn't he three different yeah. types of, of friendship um you were t you were telling me earlier about how was it reason um friends for a reason friends for a season and friends for life um Aylred talks about carnal friendships or friendships that are based on bodily pleasure um so you know two people you know are very attracted to each other they have a sexual relationship um you know not necessarily within the bounds of marriage you would say this is a carnal relationship uh, one primarily of physical attraction which can decay or you you might have like um, a friendship which is on which has a shared experience so maybe you yeah. like going to i don't know to the pub together or football or yeah or, or a sport or mm -hmm. maybe a theater pleasure, performance essentially is what he's yeah. talking about this french so the focus is on that so that as soon as be... it becomes unpleasurable what then you know do, are you prepared mm. to fight for that friendship when actually it's not pleasurable anymore and then it becomes well, fickle you know well i'm sure point. i'm sure we our experience would would be the same that a lot of friendships i had when i was younger maybe at college or at university were were friendships that were were based on that so mm. a shared experience like going out to to the pub together or sharing in a sport together yeah but once once that um i don't know once you know once the whistle goes on the game yeah you're you're not friends um, in the same at, way yeah well at any deeper level than that mm. maybe the only thing that you speak about really is uh, the sport that yeah. you both enjoy but you don't go beyond that yeah so that that seems to be that i, I can resonate with it uh, with that um, insight from Edward yeah. on that level and it's, it's not necessarily superficial even though it's just for a particular purpose you know i think aquinas might talk about friendship of common endeavor or or a sort of common purpose you know you have this particular bond with each other that revolves around this particular activity uh and not really beyond but it's not really the full true depth of friendship yeah um so it's, it's not a bad thing yeah not and that's the thing it, yeah <laughs> it's not that pleasure can't be part of a spiritual friendship actually it should be part of a spiritual friendship because pleasure and joy have a relationship with each other of course uh, it's not that you know all good and true friendships must really be built on misery and hardship and pain uh <laughs> absolutely not uh <laughs> but um so it's that a sort spiritual of, friendship includes uh, it includes, includes some of these things some of these things yeah. yeah but these this is also sort of friendship on a natural level as well mm. isn't it you know yeah. those people who you're naturally drawn to or naturally attracted to that's what therese would say therese would say and aquinas would say you know you have these sort of 
natural things in common and some reciprocity and some sort of equality for Therese you don't necessarily need equality because God can overcome that difference in equality and Aquinas says the same thing about our friendship with God how can we friend be friends with God when there can be no possibility of equality between God and humanity because God and humanity are not just different in degree they're not just different mm. you know they're, they're different in kind they're different sorts you know, God God is not a thing. You know, I was going to say sorts of things, but God is not a thing. Um, so, and he would say that actually God overcomes uh, that barrier. So then you can have this more profound spiritual friendship, which is built on virtue and Christ. Now, Aylred focuses much more on, the, I mean, Thomas also does focus on virtue, you know, a, a good true friendship is built on virtue, according to Thomas as well. Um but you do see this progression from the time of Augustine, who, I mean, Aylred basically baptizes Cicero through a filter of Augustine. Mm. Um, so a lot of Cicero he takes, and then he sort of reforms it and shapes it based on what he's read uh, in Augustine. Um, and then after Aylred, you have Thomas, who again expands and develops this idea of friendship again. And then by the time you get to Therese, uh, Therese, I think, universalizes it even more than Thomas. She's got that sort of boldness to, to go a step further. Um, so, so just sorry, on, going back. Just on, yeah, <laughs> I'll get off my hobby horse. Uh, <laughs> so, just, so just on So he has the that first level of friendship. Then, so we might say that that's based on a um, a form of pleasure, a shared experience. Yeah. And then you have his his second level of, of friendship, which is based on like a material advantage or uh, maybe a, a material possession. So this might be someone who uh, you study with. So you're at school or university or someone you work with and you have that common goal of a work project that you're both working on. Mm -hmm. But once that has um, ended, well, the friendship doesn't go beyond that. And then there's that that third level, which is the the spiritual friendship. Mm. And Elred says that this is based on Christ's new commandment to love. So this is where he brings in Christ, where he allows that to be the foundation for that spiritual friendship. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, also in terms of like that sort of economic partnership, like work friends, you know, mm. work friends can take on a, a deeper meaning. But again, it's like, friends for a reason or friends for a season you know um they're not necessarily going to be those deep and lasting friendships which really you know core ad core loquitur heart speaks unto heart they're not necessarily going to be those friendships which are founded and built on christ um which from my experience brings a different level of intimacy and a different sharing of one one's life all friendships uh for Aylred um for Cicero mm. for Aristotle for Aquinas for Teresa Flissieux they all involve a sharing of one's life you can't have a friendship whereby you're not sharing in one another's life but how deep and how profound that goes depends on the sort of friendship uh, what sort of friendship it is and what foundations it's built on uh, and what also the end of the friendship, or what, what yeah. purpose it is, what, what's the direction? The direction for Aylred of true spiritual friendship is Jesus Christ himself. And, you know, that's it. Uh, so in in the um, when I say that's it, I don't mean that there is nothing else within the friendship, like 
like pleasure, for example, or working towards other common goals together, like I don't know, building a hospital or something, you know. Um, but fundamentally, it's defined by the presence of Jesus Christ. Um, that And that is why it has this transcendent, transcendently intimate um, possibility that you don't have in the same way um, of the others. I think it's in the Mirror of Charity even. He talks about the friendship almost like it's a third person, like it's mm. it's something alive. Uh, you know, it's not just two people in this friendship, it's three. Christ is the love between the the two people. And this is why treachery and betrayal is something that's so important, uh, so, sorry, so devastating because it's almost like it's killing or suffocating something that's living, something that is is alive, you know. Um, and this is why for Aylred, you have to be really careful who you have a friendship with, a true spiritual friendship with, because it takes on a life of its own and it's there's something sacred about it. And he basically says there's no real good reason to forsake a spiritual friendship um he does talk about betrayal he does talk about treachery um but he yeah. says it, the reason it's so tragic is because it's like something alive has died when things like that has happened so there's like a sort of murderous yeah i mean he speaks about a number of things which destroy your friendship he says slander reproach pride Portrayal of confidence and detraction. Uh, betrayal, yeah. So uh, the, the reason why these hurt the friendship so much is because you reveal your inner self to the other person. But it's but it's reciprocal. So it wounds you much more deeply. Yeah. You see. Yeah. I mean, because it goes straight to the the interior life of the other person. Mm. But mm. the the other point which Elred makes is that this friendship is reciprocal, and together uh, over time you have this mutual uh, growth together as as people so because the as, as he says uh, christ is the principle and goal of that friendship so he, christ is the starting point and he's also the goal of that friendship and uh, christ says himself be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect so in this friendship elred really sees spiritual friendship as building up the other person towards perfection in the in that life with god notice that building up it's a process not yeah. an not not just an event it's it's a process that is ongoing that's really important because mm. very often when people think be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect they think oh done now now i have to be absolutely impeccable in absolutely everything that i do but actually it's you're absolutely spot on it's not simply a, a an event um there are particular events within this of course you know there is a starting point for example that's an event mm. um but it is also an ongoing process just like our justification um yeah, yeah. sorry no no, no. <laughs> I, I, to, uh, it's, it's very important to state and you you also have it's very interesting you have in the lives of the saints so many saints have friends who are saints and th th this is something you see with, with so many of them. You think of like John Paul II, who who was very close to uh, Mother Teresa. I mean, they're both canonized saints now. They both recognize the church as saints. But they, they had this very close affinity with each other, very close friendship. I mean, there, there are loads of saints within the Dominican order as well. Yeah, I, I think particularly of somebody like um, Blessed Jordan of Saxony, 
who is the immediate successor to St. Dominic and Blessed Diana. Um, and their letters are very intimate. When I say intimate, intimacy is, I think, fundamentally about knowing somebody else as they are and being seen and being known by them really in the depths of your soul um so i think that's really what intimacy is is about and you see that in their letters that this Mm. profound love i think some people would actually be quite scandalized in how they spoke about each other and how they wrote to each other you know Mm. um really mourning the loss of the the presence of the other you know uh and they say things like oh well I'm with you in prayer I'm in your heart and um you know I'm comforted uh by the knowledge of your sure and certain love for me and things like that essentially it's uh if if somebody would come across it now in a modern context they'd be quite shocked because they think oh my gosh this must be you know a romantic love letter um because this this would be how romantic this is how we would write well if we write romantic love letters yeah. to each other anymore, now we might another, it. yeah, no, romantic it Facebook messages, maybe. Uh, <laughs> there are um, other people uh, speak to each other nowadays, mm. but, but they're talking about this, and I mean, they're they're both faithful to their vows, right? And they both know uh, that they're celibate, and anything other than that is incompatible with their vocation. But it doesn't stop them from loving, you know. Um, and the way that they talk about this profound spiritual friendship that they have where they feel like the other person is like an extension of themselves which is exactly what Aylred describes in on spiritual friendship that the other person and you essentially become like co-parents almost like co-guardians he calls it guardians of of the friendship friendship. Mm. um that you both have this duty to protect it because it's like an extension of yourself and you see that in in the writings of blessed jordan and Diana, I think uh, Catherine of Siena. There was, um, I forget if it's Raymond of Penafort or I think it's Reginald of Orleans, um, but I forget which. There was also a very close um, friendship there. Um, yeah. I, you find but, others. But the yeah. one is that God, uh, we don't just have an isolated relationship with God. God sees it as fitting to bring his love to us through friends yes to help us grow in our relationship with him through friends well, and that god sees that as a fitting yeah. way and you see this across the church you see it with the communion of saints that you have that god provides the saints for us he provides the Absolutely. community of the church and he commands it he said, yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. But the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And as Jesus says, you know, at the Last Supper, love one another as I have loved you. You know, you're commanded to love your neighbor. It's not simply love for God alone. God commands you to love your neighbor. And as, as Therese says, well, if we're called to love one another as he has loved us, and he says, I call you no longer servants, but friends, and friendship is love then we are called to love each other as friends yeah. um yeah. says uh, something in on, on spiritual friendship but yeah another quote here he says one can make a rather easy transition from human friendships to friendship with god himself and i, I think that's that's very important so for elred he he sees friendship as pointing to the inner life of god mm. so in the trinity there are three persons 
in there are three persons father son and holy spirit and they share this mutual bond of love and our friendships that we experience here on earth are a, a taste or an insight into that love which is in the trinity and and this is something which is given to us as a great gift to mm. help us to to enter more deeply into that love of god which is found in the trinity yeah i i, I think the the love in i mean it's very interesting i mean somebody like aquinas for example he says that obviously he says like saint john that god is charity and then later in another question he says that um charity is friendship but he doesn't go as far as to say that god is friendship and i was talking to father michael sherman who has just become the director of the institute for spirituality at the angelicum and he was saying it's because no the relationships between the the divine persons in the trinity are deeper than friendship mm. but that we can have friendship with god and i mean aquinas talks about uh, how we have friendship with god but we're also adopted sons and daughters mm. of god so it's interesting how you have multiple ways of talking about this relationship that we're sorry this relationship that we're entering into yeah but I suppose the the main point there is that the friendships we have, spiritual friendships we reflect have here on this God's earth, love. Yeah, yeah. But also that they're a gift from God to mm -hmm. to us to help us to see something of God's love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, with the importance of spiritual friendship in mind, it's so important to to be discerning about who your your friends are to seek out. This this beautiful spiritual. I you, gonna, <laughs> you can see that I've got this. Uh, <laughs> sorry, um, what first came into my mind when you said to seek out? It, the first thing that came to my mind was to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before, which is sorry, it's the beginning of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh, yeah, Dan's it. not a Star Trek uh, <laughs> Star Trek fan. But as you said, to seek out, I was like. And new civilizations to boldly go and know what's going on. I'm afraid I, I don't know Star Trek or Star Wars, or I'm not. Oh yeah, because they're all the same to you, Dan. Yeah, I don't oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but seek out Moving these friendships on. that encourage you toward the good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I draw our episode to a close. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If it's been helpful, please share it with other people and. Like the video, it helps us helps the video to reach more people and be sure to oh, yeah. subscribe. We, we, since we said video, for the people who mm. are not on YouTube, um, we should uh, tell you that we're now on YouTube. Um, so, so, yes. So we will say video, um, but it doesn't mean that we're giving up on our audio content. It just means that the audio from the YouTube video will be uh, put on Podbean, Apple Podbean. Podcasts, Another Spotify, platforms. other yeah. platforms, you know. Yeah. yeah. So thanks Excellent. for joining us. God bless. God bless. Bye.